Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Light. I am your host, Mary Amy, of course. I hope you guys really enjoyed last episode where I talked briefly about my experiences with toxic relationships. And honestly, I was so blown away at the response you guys gave me. So I can't even begin to explain my gratitude. I have been absolutely beside myself. So because of that, I'm doing a rapid release of the second episode. But for each one on after this, we are staying on a schedule. <laughs> Um, But I really just wanted to do this to truly show my appreciation for all of you. But I have to be honest, um, I've been having some doubts creeping in. And it kind of started last night. I had some friends giving me some like pointers and just some advice and tips and stuff like that based off the first episode, which I super appreciate, but I just kind of let it get to me. And so something because of all that was just off. And alongside that, there's this person just like seemingly doing what I was and posting things to purposely get in my head and it just wasn't cool. So I wasn't able to do a lot of the mental boundary work that I've developed over time because I don't know it just was getting to me and you know I had the devil talking to me and you know is it worth it am I trying too hard are people gonna take me seriously so I ended up just muting all of that so it wouldn't be on my timeline anymore and it just kind of escalated like I said I just kept asking myself all these things and like am I in over my head are people gonna be truly interested but then I had to take a step back and be like Mary listen quit it quit fucking talking to yourself like that because I had to remember all of the sweet messages that I was getting and then just everything that everyone was telling me like some people that I had never really talked to before just had you know they felt comfortable coming to me and asking for advice and just like just giving me their personal experience with toxic relationships too, which I thought was really cool. So after that, I was like, you know what, you just got to kind of kick yourself in the ass and keep going because I have to keep showing up for those people. But more importantly, I have to keep showing up for myself. So before I get started, I just want to warn anybody struggling with depression or anxiety now that there may be triggers of all kinds in this episode for you. So if you find it to be too much for your own mental health at any point, please feel free to tune out and message me for a simpler breakdown on Instagram. And if you don't already follow me, you can find me at being mayor, B-E-I-N-G, mayor. Because please, 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 I do not want anybody listening to this that it might negatively affect. So if you feel like you need to tune out now, go ahead and it's totally okay. So my mental health journey is something that I get asked about rather frequently. And I don't mind it at all. As a matter of fact, I want people to ask me about it because talking about it continues to help me heal. And that is one of the major ways that helped me heal. Um, But I'll get to that. Um, I would say it started consciously as young as fifth grade. Um, I was the new girl just a couple of years prior, but I didn't struggle to make friends. My cousins had gone there. Um, I was transferring with one of my lifelong friends, Chandler, from the same school, actually. So that made it easy. We were in the same class and I quickly made friends. So it, it really wasn't bad. I loved the middle school that I went to. I did lose friends as I got older, but that's life. And <laughs> I learned that. So that was what it is. We all go through that but I would say what really the main event of my childhood was was losing my aunt Chris to ovarian cancer she was my best friend and we did everything together very seldom was she not at my house by 8 a.m on every single Saturday and I mean every single Saturday getting ready for Notre Dame football with my dad literally already drinking a beer 
or just coming to claim her steak at the kitchen counter for the day, which she would be at the next and the day after that too. And it translated into a relationship with my sisters as well. I wasn't the only kid, obviously. And, you know, the best thing that we ever did with her, it was our tradition. We would always just literally load up her backpack, like her leather backpack. She made that a trend before 2018 ever happened. <laughs> but we would load that thing up with dollar store candy and drinks and stuff and just smuggle it all into the movie theater. And even sometimes when we got close enough to the house, she would let us drive home. So <laughs> movies and breaking the rules and keeping secrets for life with Aunt Chris was really our motto. And she just, there's no one else on this planet that's even like her. But she was one of my dad's older sisters. He has two older sisters. And really, the woman that was responsible for raising him like his dad worked and his mom was a nurse she was a practicing nurse throughout her entire life and if you're familiar with St. Margaret's house in the South Bend area that is a place that my grandma got up and running after she had graduated with her nursing degree and had done some work following IUSB so it's really cool to have that piece of history in town and know that she was involved with it. But my aunt and my dad were literally two peas in a pod. So whenever he hear, whenever he laughs, I hear her laugh too because it was exactly the same. So really they were twins just years apart from one another. But when she died, my world honestly ended. Um, I talked about her. I saw her in my dreams and otherwise. And still, as I'm about to turn 23 in a few days, I cried about her regularly. I probably do at least once a week. And it's okay because, you know, I miss her and we're allowed to miss people. But, you know, I was really too young to understand what was going on. I knew she had cancer and I knew that I had seen some of the last breaths that she would take in her earthly life. But um, it just never seemed to be enough and still isn't because I never really got that closure. You know, I was really young and she passed away two days before my 10th birthday. So each year it just becomes more and more bittersweet because as I get older, I understand more deeply and can work through different things that I went through. But like little you know, fifth grade Mary still needs that closure. So from there, my mental health dwindled. Um, like in the seventh grade, I remember asking my parents if I could quit my travel basketball team, which is where I met my best friend, Deidre, of like 16 years and counting at this point. But I didn't really have a reason. And looking back, I know it was me just displaying signs of depression and being uninterested in the things that I loved. And I kept playing school ball for as long as I could until I couldn't. And that's a different story that I'm not going to go into. But that on top of a lot of other factors, made high school really, really rough. My grandma Rita, my dad's mom that I was just talking about, died my sophomore year from kidney failure due to chemo. Did I mention that when my aunt had ovarian cancer, she had breast cancer? So it was a really hard time for the Van Amy women for quite a while. But after that, I transferred um, at start of junior year to St. Joe High School. And, you know, through my high school experience it just I realized I never really fit in I've always been like kind of an outsider and you know I wouldn't really make friends at St. Joe and I did make one she's still a really great confidant to this day but other than that I was often the center of class-wide jokes even so far as having been asked out by someone as part of a joke and these days it's actually really funny he asks a mutual about me he will ask for updates on how I'm doing and has expressed his regret and his involvement in what he did to that person, but has yet to reach out to me to say that. So I think that's kind of funny. But the people that I thought was friends with thought that I was friends with. Um, yeah, they were often orchestrating it and even had a code name for me. 
so Sarah I believe is what it was and whenever I would come walking down the hall they would say oh Sarah's coming and then you know conversations would switch and magically I would be welcomed in and I always knew something fell off and it wasn't until this confidant I mentioned told me that and then after that it's kind of like this bitter bitch came in and I just didn't care about anybody and I didn't really even care about myself but I was none the wiser to any of this really going on because I didn't really have anybody on my side. So except for my friends that were at another school in town, thank God, um, that's actually where Steven went to school too. And it's a wonder why I didn't just transfer there. <laughs> um, but thank God he was there and not part of the asshole crowd at St. Joe because I don't know if I would have ever even given him a chance. But I didn't think that I would land true love or that I would get to experience dating my best friend. And, you know, thankfully he changed my world as it was falling apart even more tremendously in my college years. But we'll get to that later on um, with him. But uh, the start of my senior year of high school was rough. Um, I was in an on-again, off-again relationship with this guy, Evan, and he was great. He went to the school that I had transferred from and was a Christian man that my parents loved, and they still do, and someone that I could finally be myself with. He accepted all of it, and it was something I never really experienced. But unfortunately, in one of our off-again stints, he passed away. Um, He was involved in a motorcycle accident at 20 years old and I remember the events vividly still. And kudos to Steven because he's never made me forget that part of my life and even sometimes when things remind me of Evan I'm able to speak up about it and he once told me he would never ask me to forget that part of my life because there's no sense in pretending that the experiences that we've had didn't actually happen. And that alone is just one of the many reasons why I know he will be my husband. And I've known that for a very long time, but considering the stigma that these extremist feminist women have created for the ideal man is, you know, that a typical man would just be full of jealousy and resentment and anger and would expect their woman to completely forget about everything that didn't involve them. And... I think that's a crack of shit because not all people are like that. There are people that will create that image off of their own experiences and project that into the world. And it's just really up to you if you are someone that feels like you're not going to find love either to filter that out and just know that there are good people out there. If you have been through your own crack of shit in your life and you think that somebody can't accept that quote unquote baggage you're wrong because there's someone out there that wants to love it and help you heal and help you work through it. And thank God for me, the person that I have been in love with and only dreamt of being with since the moment I met him, he accepted all of that. You know, I was that person for him and I just want you to know that that is possible. So I don't know, just following the death of that though, um, death of Evan, nothing really mattered. And I kind of stopped caring about myself as well. Really, the only thing I cared about was that I was going to see the sun the next day. I kind of quit caring about my appearance, though I've always been low maintenance. I didn't care if I was wearing like dirty clothes. I didn't care if my hair was up in a bun and I looked like I could pass for someone homeless. Like, I didn't care about any of that. Like, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, whatever I was doing between sunup and sundown wasn't going to kill me. Um, And... It only got worse from there because in October of the same year, which would have been in 2013, um, my cousin Austin unexpectedly died in his home at 24 years old. 
And there is not a single day that goes by that I'm not thinking about his vibrant soul. He was such a free spirit, a deep thinker. And he was so tall and slender and skinny. And it was always our inside joke since I was like four years old to compare the size of our pinky fingers because I was always so fascinated that his was so long and mine was so tiny. And so every time we would get together for a family event, family party, whatever it was, we would be comparing pinky sizes. And I just always remember telling him that one day I was going to catch up, you know, not really realizing as I was a young girl that Austin would keep growing as I would keep growing and his fingers would only get longer. So it's just fun to kind of laugh back at that. But after he passed away, things kind of mellowed out for a while. You know, we all had our own mental shit that we were dealing with. And it just it still is something that's hard for my family. Um, But our house got broken into um, the week before Christmas. And it looked like a scene from a horror movie. My sister Emily uh, was still living with my parents and myself at the time. So she was the one that came home to it. And thank God nobody was there. And thank God our recently adopted dog was there as well. They didn't hurt her or anything. But um, she noticed that the back door was kicked in and that the service door from the garage to the house was also kicked in. um, And her bedroom was on that level. So she was just, you know, going through the garage to go into her room and decompress and whatever. And I got home and my mom told me and it was just awful. Like if you're a scary movie junkie like me, it is exactly what you would think it is walking in with all that anxiety. But after that, in the spring, my mom's best friend unexpectedly died in her home from complications caused by her diabetes and a flu that she had contracted. And it's still something that's really difficult for her. Um, My mom has been through a lot in her life and she's one of the strongest people that I know. And I attribute a lot of my inner strength to her because there are just days where I don't know how that woman does it. Like there's the saying out there that moms are superheroes and I swear to God, my mom is one of them, but her best friend's son is like my brother. And he's the kid that I mentioned earlier in this podcast. And, you know, he is just one capable, creative, strong-willed son that also got those traits from his mom. And it is just another example of a soul taken way too soon because all of the people that I have mentioned have been such lights in my family's lives for so many different reasons and I guess it's bittersweet because to know that they're gone in this physical life and to miss them in some ways kind of is selfish because they're no longer in pain or you know whatever the situation was and you know now we have a kick ass line of guardian angels (laughs) like nothing could ever phase us because we have all of these amazing people protecting us and you know I think that that's also kind of something special um but you know all these events regardless of the tragedy and you know the things that would come later in the future they all guided me to my own hole of despair And, you know, at a time I wanted to give up, but I kept going. And, you know, at a certain point, there were times where I didn't even care if I would die. And, you know, I mean that because I just remember being so low and feeling so bleak and like I didn't deserve anything that, you know, I just didn't care. But I finally kept going because I thought I'd found a good group of friends, but really that just led me to alcohol for quite some time. And it's funny because when I heard Stephen was finally single, (laughs) something in me just kind of switched.
I'll be honest, it took quite some time for me to rid all of the destructive behaviors that I had developed. Um, you know, at this point that I'm speaking in this journey, I am dating Steven. And, you know, at the beginning, it was hurting both of us. And, you know, he was still a dream come true. So our story is something that I plan to cover with him on the podcast in the future. So for now, just know that I'm alive mainly because of him. He is my literal dream come true. And he made all of the mental work, the boundary work, the coming to Jesus talks with myself that I needed to have worth it. And he really was just like this beaming light in my life that was like, Mary, get it together. You deserve so much more than this. So I would say that in the last two or so years, I've really been able to dig deep and find myself again. I've been able to allow myself to heal, but it's not something that just happened out of nowhere. There was constant work that I had had to do. I had to talk with people and make it uncomfortable sometimes so that I could get everything off my chest and out into the world and proclaim that I wanted more for myself, that I deserved more, but that I needed some help getting there from people in my life that I trusted, people that had stayed by my side, and people that I knew were not going to fuck me over when the going got tough. And, you know, Steven is still here, my family's still here, and my best friend Deidre is still by my side. And I've collected a few people along the way that give me that strength and inspiration and drive to keep going, but really it is Deidre and Steven and my family that I give credit to for helping me get where I am today, and some professors along the way as well. But, you know... Once you find that tribe of people that truly cares about you on your mental health journey, everything becomes a lot less scary and you're able to see it a lot more clearly. You know, you do deserve that happiness. You do deserve calmness and mental clarity and love and a nourished body that's gaining weight from the food that you're feeding it. You don't deserve to feel low and crummy and like you're a piece of shit because you are not. And I can tell you that in confidence because I have been there. So I've gotten a load of questions over time about my journey after briefly telling the whole world about it on Instagram stories probably about two years ago. Um, and I've been hesitant to answer just because of everything I told you. So I'm addressing the most frequently asked questions here today. So hopefully they are able to help you. So the first question is, do you ever just want to give up on everything? And sometimes I wish I had the power to poof all of my issues away, but I know that I don't have that ability. I have seen how far I've come on my own from having no friends and family that were like nothing but frustrated with me because they couldn't help spark anything in me to being the vibrant trying person that I am today. So no, I never want to give up because I know I have so much more real life character development to experience. I've come this far in the last... I don't know, I guess six years now since 2013. Like, I can't wait to see what I am looking like when I'm about to turn 29 years old, which is kind of scary to say. <laughs> um, but the next question is, how do you keep moving forward? And that's simple because I know I have more healing to do and an even more vibrant future ahead of me with the love of my life, and that's what keeps me going. The talk about kids and marriage is on our table, though we know we don't want that for many more years, but it's something an about-to-be 23-year-old in my position should be thinking about. I am not done yet. My story is far from over. So if I gave up on my mental health work and myself, that's the future that I forfeit, and I refuse to do that. 
So the last question is kind of loaded,、uh, but it is: How do you navigate your own mental health in the same home as your boyfriend? How do you keep that separate? So I really love this because this is something that we are still learning. Up until our move to Texas, I was spending three to four days with Stephen in West Lafayette, and the other days in South Bend, two hours north,、uh, with my mom and dad. So we essentially always had that built-in time apart and built-in quiet time, if you will. So now that we're together every day and living under the same roof every single day, I've noticed he stays behind in the early morning when I take the dogs out to potty, which has now graduated to a morning walk, so I can enjoy more of that peaceful time by myself.、Uh, we will work、um, on different projects and separate ourselves. So like I'll read or just go sit and reflect, and he'll find things to do. Like recently, I don't know, earlier this week or late last week.、Um, We were both kind of in a funk, so he decided to go work in the garage and start his man cave space and like his workbench area. And I just started getting things organized while listening to a couple episodes of a show in the background. And then it ended up that we we both started organizing pretty much the whole house together. So, you know, within working out our own separate funks, we were able to come together in the end and do something productive together. And I think that is something that's kind of special too. We always kind of separate, but end up finding our way back to each other, even if the funks that we're in really have nothing to do with one another. So finding our own Space and time to do things alone is so far how I have navigated my own mental health in terms of living with Stephen. And though we've been together for almost four years, which we'll get into in the episode with him, it's always been kind of unique to balance out what I needed versus what he needed. So it's kind of nice now to not have a super hectic life where that's able to be part of our daily focus for ourselves, which you know helps everybody in the end. So. Yeah,、um, I really, really, really hope that you can take something away from this, especially if you're struggling, because I know how hard it is to be in that space. Whether or not you know that you're loved and you have a good community, like it is still so incredibly easy to feel alone and like nobody can relate to you. And even though I've only scratched the surface, as long as I can help one of you, my job is done. So the one thing that I really want you to take from this is to remember you're never alone. To remember that you have so much more in common with other people than you think that you do. Part of having depression and anxiety is this innate tick to convince yourself that you aren't worthy of love, friendship, connection, or happiness, and that's so far from the truth. I started that self-hate talk as young as nine years old, and am currently seeing how it's played into my adult life. Hence, my worries about this podcast that I shouldn't even have. So. For you to know that you are never alone is really important to me, and though it's scary, getting out of the hole is possible, and in fact, it's necessary. We were all perfectly crafted by God, the universe, Allah, whatever it is that you choose to believe. We were all perfectly crafted and placed on this physical earth for a purpose, and my challenge to you is to find that. Find your why. Why do you keep going and cling to that? Thanks for listening, guys. I love you all so much more than you know. Keep chasing the light.